My name is William Corliss and this is the Workplace Podcast. Brought to you in association with Yellowwood, providers of executive coaching, corporate training and facilitation. Your external learning and development partner. Each week we focus on a different aspect of the workplace. We hear from guest speakers who will be subject matter experts, who I believe are incredibly talented at what they do. These experts will give you a different perspective and insight to work life, with the aim of empowering you to take a different path to success in all aspects of work life. These perspectives will include career and personal success, leadership, high performance teams, and creating a better work life culture in your organization. Yellowwood, take a different path to success with your career, team, and organization. Our guest for this episode is Fiona Buckley. She's a work behaviorist, facilitator, keynote speaker, and empowerment and executive coach in the areas of leadership development, leading virtual teams, work behavior, and personalities. Before setting up her own business in early 2016, Fiona held a number of senior corporate roles with her last position being VP of Professional Services for EMEA, for a global virtual organization. When she was in the role, she completed a master's degree in work behavior and her thesis explores the key challenges that impact relationships in virtual organizations. Fiona is an associate faculty with the Irish Management Institute, facilitating executive leadership programs, and is also a strategic HR consultant with Mercer. Fiona, very welcome to the show. How are you? Great. Delighted to be here. Looking forward to sharing all my tips and tricks and hacks around working from home and all that stuff in between. Yeah, it's great to have you because I remember the first time we met, that's how I knew you as you were the person who, you know, studies the virtual uh, teams aspect. And I worked in teams myself, but I didn't actually have the academic background to that. So it's wonderful to have you on the show for that. And what else is great about it is that we are colleagues as well. We've collaborated before, which is brilliant. And what I really like about you and what um, our listeners will hear is just that really nice nature that you have that you have that lovely balance between a bubbly personality plus you know that strong competencies there so listen uh, tell me about this this topic where we're going to talk about which is working from home and remote isolation what difference is it making to people's lives at the moment it's it's a big big difference and you know yourself William <clears throat> there's a, a a big delta between people who might have been working a little bit from home here and there going into the office a couple of days a week working from home and then organizations who have never ever worked from home before and they were plunged into a very very different environment we have about seven months of a reference period now after working from home since March. So we have a good record of, of things that we have done. However, what's happening now with people is we're getting a bit complacent and we're setting into bad habits. So we might have started off with the best intentions, but now it's becoming the new normal for us. And we're in that kind of circle of despair, as I call it, where we're going round and round, not exercising, doing too many video audio calls, suffering professional isolation and not putting up our hand and saying, I'm actually not okay with this. So there's a lot going on at the moment. And I kind of don't believe people if they say I'm, I'm actually fine, because I don't think anyone's fine right now with this environment, because we're all a bit isolated. But there's loads we can do. That's the thing. There is loads we can do. 
Excellent. And and what you know, when people are giving you um contacted you, giving you calls, like what are the kind of things that they're they're contacting you about? One of the top things is um, the balance between video calls and audio calls. I think people, certain organizations are feeling the pressure to have their camera on all the time. But as you well know, William, being in front of the screen every day, it can be very, very draining. And actually, depending on your personality type, it can it can actually hinder or help you in different ways. So if you're an introvert, we're kind of saying anything more than three video call audio or sorry video calls a day can actually cause a significant drain. That's only three calls. You could do three from nine o'clock to eleven o'clock in the morning. So what we're having to do is build a lot of buffer time between those calls, so a more introverted personality can recharge. And William, you and I work with personalities all the time in in the classroom and in the virtual classroom. And you'll know that introverts need a lot more time to digest things they need a lot more time to think things through and if you're going from one call to another it can be very difficult for them to switch off and actually what can happen is if you're running from a busy meeting and you're an introvert what can happen when you go to the next meeting is you have this cortisol stress hormone in your body and that's showing unconsciously all across your face so you're arriving to a meeting and you might think you look quite calm but that cortisol stress hormone is all over you and and you know you know yourself all we have in video calls is our face so that you're bringing that into the next meeting and the other person's on the other side of the screen going what have I said what did I do something to offend William did I do something to offend Fiona and then they're personalizing all that so there's huge dynamics at play with that if you look at extroverts then they love that bounceability factor they can go from call to call they don't need a buffer time they thrive on that and the analogy I use with this is if you can imagine a kitchen stove and you've one pot bubbling with the lid that's what the introvert likes focusing on, whereas the extrovert wants all four uh, rings on the stove, all bubbling with lots of chaos going on. So that's the difference. That, and, you know, and, and for me, um, I'm noticing a lot of clients are contacting me about that. Uh, introversion type people are kind of not coping well in terms of that energy. And then extroversion type people, um, for example, like my own twin brother, you know, he, he's really extrovert and has to get out of the house just to get that uh, energy there. So in terms of what is the kind of the magic kind of um, meeting length time, then would you recommend to the listeners here if you are jumping from call to call? So you're, you're avoiding that kind of misinterpretation of those facial cues. Yeah. And the main thing is just to have even a buffer of 15 minutes between calls. Now, we all know that's not necessarily possible, but it's actually I'm encouraging people to take a lot more control of their calendar and diary. And it's even back to old permissioning requests like you have control of your calendar. You can tell who can put what into it and when. And even the 2050 rule of having minutes for 20 minutes and 50 minutes rather than that half an hour, an hour, because that always buys you that buffer time then between meetings. But, you know, introverts are more uh, suited to working from home. There's no doubt about it because they love space. They love reflection time. They prefer scheduled meetings rather than, you know, off the cuff meetings. And they like depth, as you know, they love funneling into things and having that space to do that. So there's lots to be said for that. But the big adaptation for introverts is more about being very careful not to suffer from that out of sight, out of mind mentality, because Mm. an introvert is less likely to virtual network. They're less likely to push themselves to get onto calls and unbeknownst to themselves, they can actually suffer more isolation in, in that regard. So I would say that the secret sauce for those meetings is even 15 minutes so you can digest one call before you jump into the next one. 
And for, for people then who may not have that visibility, you know, in the workplace, because I think that's the big thing for teams and organizations. If you're new to a business or if you weren't, you didn't have that network built up, what kind of tips would you give to people then in terms of that? And we all network differently. And even back in pre-COVID times when we're physically, we still network differently. And I'm like a nerd going to networking events. I have the binoculars out watching people because I'm obsessed with human dynamics. I'm sure you're the same, William. Uh, we love watching how people interact and things like exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. So like extroverts will always go over and approach anyone. They don't mind butting into conversation and things like that. Introverts tend to hang back. But on the virtual kind of side of things, a lot of organizations are doing things like virtual coffee roulette where they're putting literally virtual names into a hat and each week they're having coffee with different people. I think there's an onus on the team to mind people and be inclusive of everybody of different personalities as well. So it's not just down to the individual, but the team and the manager and the leader of that team to look out for that because inclusivity is all about personalities as well as other things. But for the individual themselves, I would say you can't go from doing no networking to doing loads. I would say baby steps. And you know, William, when you go outside your comfort zone, it starts to hurt a bit, but that's good. And it's about, you know, going slowly, maybe setting yourself a goal of once a week, arranging a virtual cup of coffee and maybe someone outside of your organization, somebody that you used to work with, someone that you actually you know, are inspired about that might be a little bit of a role model to you. And what I'm finding is a lot of people on LinkedIn and other platforms are so helpful with their time at the moment. Ireland has a lovely camaraderie of let's just, we're in this together kind of thing. And I think if you reach out to people, they're more inclined to email you back and go, yeah, I'd love to meet you for a cup of coffee. To set a goal, one coffee a week. Brilliant. Yeah, and I can identify with that because um, even for this podcast, I am reaching out to people that I might not have spoken to for five years and we're having a lovely conversations and we're having that reminiscing and, you know, we have that connection. And I think that's what's missing, you know, with um, teams uh, in that are working virtually then is that sense of connection, that sense of belonging. Would you would you agree? Absolutely. And in my thesis, I studied professional isolation, and one of the biggest academic and theoretical links with minimizing professional isolation is networking. So, and a lot of people say not just networking within your own company, but outside. So, like the experiences you've had over the last couple of weeks, William, it's it's tapping back into the people you know, reminiscing about the past, and laughing. Because anyone you have a connection with, you'll always have laugh. And let's face it, we need to bring a bit of laughter back into our lives at the moment. So I think I think if you can get in touch with people that you used to know and had that connection with, it will really help in terms of minimizing that professional isolation. But you might get some great ideas as well from them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm doing a lot more reading now, obviously, because I have more time. And that sense of belonging actually creates serotonin which actually cancels out cortisol that you've been talking about. This is the the stress hormone that we have. And, you know, and I think what's missing as well is that whole notion of dopamine. Mm. Are we, are we advancing, you know, and making progress like we once were? And I think what we need to do is relook at our expectations of ourselves because what we try to achieve then you know, in terms of productivity and attention, there's a lot of techno stress, if you want to call it that. And that's actually really sucking on our cognitive um, ability to to keep focused for long periods of time. Whereas because we're getting overwhelmed by, you know, um, technology, that it's that switch off time, isn't it? That That's there. So in terms of 
people you talked to earlier on in the podcast about habits what are the habits that you're you're noticing that that may not be helpful for people well the boundaries one and we're all guilty of this myself included you know not having boundaries especially trying to transition from your your powering down from work into your home and what's happening is if you're on a very kind of challenging call at the end of the day especially for international organizations dialing into america and things like that they often get busier from three o'clock onwards. Then you've got potentially kids coming home, dinner to be had, homework, all these things. What's happening is, is the individuals coming off a meeting that might be challenging and then not allowing themselves to power down or transition into that home environment. Then they're bringing all that possible angst or cortisol into that family setting. And there ends up being a personal row at the end of the day because that's what's happening. I'm hearing an awful lot of that going on. Yeah, yeah. One thing I can help with that, and you know, what I'm saying to people is you need to pick an activity every single day when you're powering down for five minutes. And what that can be is maybe you're reflecting back on your day. You might say to yourself, what was the best and worst part of my day to give it perspective? Or you might indeed say, what are the things that I, you know, must attack tomorrow? So you're setting yourself down, or you're sorry, you're powering yourself down, you're closing off that day and you're opening up your brain into another part of your life. But if we rush from one to the other, it's just melting into the other. And it's that whole notion of resilience, uh, isn't it? And it's this whole notion of self-care. And what you're doing is you're kind of tying into... um, that, that whole notion of gratitude, you know, and there, there are studies that have uh, measured the efficacy of um, f- uh, pharmaceutical drugs with a placebo and in conjunction a gratitude journal, okay? And what they've noticed is the gratitude journal actually has high um, rates of efficacy uh, in terms of how effective that it is. So I think that whole notion of gratitude is really important. And it it goes back to that Gottman ratio as well, isn't it? That five to one um, ratio where, you know, you, you need to have that five positive things, five positive things to cancel out the negative thing because that negative thing is so strong because cortisol is so so strong so we both we both um talk on the topics of resilience there you know we might leave that for another show there but what you've touched upon there is is the this notion of boundaries you know and when people when i think of boundaries sometimes i link it to self-esteem or i link it to you know confidence or you know uh again having those difficult conversations and a lot of my work at the moment is a lot of coaching and uh, would you believe a lot of mediations because a lot of conflict is being stirred up so for yourself could you give anybody people advice on boundaries because you were talking about you know taking calls in maybe the US in the afternoon and different time zones can you give maybe more advice on the boundaries yeah, and with boundaries, again, you mentioned just earlier, William, about you know expectations, and I think what everyone needs to do going into the winter period now is reset expectations with yourself internally, with your team, and with your leaders, because there's a fundamental link, obviously, between boundaries and expectations. Going back to personality type for a second, as you know, uh, William, with personality, some people are very conscientious by nature. They're very into structure and organized. And these people sometimes struggle with saying no to people. So I think we have to become a little bit more comfortable with saying no. And of course, you can say no in a very professional way, but it's actually learning to live with that. And I'm actually coaching one or two individuals right now whose boundaries are all over the shop. And what I'm saying to them is, I want you to keep a no diary (laughs) for me as a coach. 
So every time you say no, I want you to actually write it down. Now they laughed when they did this, but now that they've come through that, they said that was the most empowering thing that they've done. And every time they've said no, they can see their boundaries widening and their uh, confidence lifting because they know people might have been taking advantage a little bit of them. So I think you have to realign those own expectations, but also you have to realign expectations of people that you live with as well. You know, because sometimes there will be things where you will have to take a call at night. You know, I'm not I'm not uh, going to, you know, negate those kind of situations. And some nights there will be nights where you have to work late just by default. But we're trying to say not every night, make that a one night or two nights a week if you have to. But it's all about planning as well, isn't it, William? It's all about yeah. setting up your diary for the week. And the more organized you are. So, uh, again, some personality types are a bit more sporadic and go with the flow. But I'm urging those kind of people that you need to actually take control of that calendar. And also meetings. There's far too many meetings happening because... Some organizations are trying to overflow with meetings because they don't want to have people suffering from isolation. But too many meetings means you're wasting time sitting sometimes in meetings with nothing to contribute. So if that meeting is of value to you, that's going to eat up your time, which in turn is affecting your boundaries. So they're all related in terms of that. Yeah, and and we're both working on a series of different workshops, aren't we? You know, I know for from your uh, business, um, is a few other Buckley success yeah sorry sorry fiona sorry i was mixing up the the taglines there um and uh, and for my that's that's you're quite okay we'll we'll ask you at the at the end and how people can get in contact but for me i'm noticing a big demand for the likes of assertiveness the likes of personality type in the workplace resilience working in virtual teams and it seems to be the common themes that we keep getting uh, asked about in terms of business. And for me, it is the great reset, isn't it? This has been a theme on the podcast that the things are very different now and that we do, it gives us that time to pause and reflect um, on that, you know, and it, you know, it's funny that you talk about the no. I've been actually practicing that maybe a year before the pandemic broke and for me I can see huge rewards uh in that in terms of mental health you know I don't feel as anxious I feel a lot more confident and even now I'm able to place that value on myself and I think I'm a lot stronger for that you know would you agree you know that it does make a big impact it is even the conversations we have had over the years as well I think, you know, from your perspective, you definitely have been saying no more. I still, I think I need to learn from your book there that I, I feel like <laughs> that person for some people. And it's hard because both you and I are helpers by nature, William. We like to fix things, don't we? And yeah. you know, it's hard when someone's looking for something and then we have to push back. But that's all respecting your boundaries in, in, in terms of that. So I definitely think there's a link with confidence. And as you know, I do a lot of work in the confidence area. When we start working from home, we are more prone to that imposter syndrome or confidence or low self esteem dips because and even if you're a very high performer and fully confident it's because your whole work environment has changed and we're having to self-validate a lot more and that's a really important thing I just wanted to kind of touch upon today Uh, extroverts need a lot more validation than introverts and you know just to explain what I mean by validation for those that might not understand it's literally uh, someone praising you it's recognition it's value whereas introverts can often self-validate a lot more they don't need that I always joke the red carpet and the champagne um, but, you know, they, they, they don't need that. They can do that themselves. So that has an impact on our confidence. So when we're working from home, if we get an email that might be a little bit, say, say there's a tone in that email, 
we might read that a lot more than we would normally read it because we don't have that person beside us to check and go, what do you think of that? Or we come across, you know, come off a very difficult meeting. We don't have that other colleague to rubber stamp that and go, what do you think of that? That was really weird, doesn't it? We don't have that. So we get tied up in our inner critic a lot more when we work from home, which can chip away at that confidence. Yeah, and I think that's, that's you know, a real valid point. And excuse the point about the validation there as well. Uh, but we've often been on calls where we would, you know, uh, talk afterwards and we would really kind of, you know, maybe uh, challenge the other person think to say, well, I, you know, I, I think you might be unfair in the person or maybe this is a more objective way to look at it. And I think one way around that is is actually having someone as that support network to you. And it doesn't have to be someone in the workplace. It could be a spouse or it could be a friend or a colleague, a collaborator like yourself, you know. Um, and for me, you know, it, it, there's a little bit here that it's it, it's those coaching tools that we that we have that we find helpful for each other that we can actually go into coaching mode. And instead of being the helper, we actually, you know, really, I suppose, help the other person navigate through that little validation crisis, if you want to call it that. Yeah. So, in terms of of coaching, do you think? Do you think that's undervalued at the moment as leaders and managers? Do you think they're utilizing it enough or, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I personally seem have, have seen a huge surge in coaching since COVID happened. Um, but, you know, sometimes it depends on that leadership team and whether they put the value on that. And it can depend on their past experience with coaching as well. So yeah. it's all about getting, as you well know, William, it's all about getting the right coach in place to coach on those specific things. But I think a lot of companies are getting people in to talk about webinars and training as well as coaching. So I definitely see there's still interest there, but it often comes back to that you know, particular company culture around coaching is you know some people have fantastic coaching cultures some don't but I think it's a very useful thing and mentoring and going back to my thesis not to bore you of course but with mentoring um that is another fundamental causal link of minimizing professionalization is mentoring and some organizations have shut down mentoring programs in COVID I'm like no don't do that I'm like you need to have mentoring It's it's a proven academic link to help and you know with mentors even being a mentor, we all actually love being mentors because we're talking about, we're actually validating ourselves and we're mentoring because we're talking about our own successes and we're helping. And remember, when you help others, you help yourself. You get that satisfaction yeah. validation. So I'm saying make sure we have mentoring. And it doesn't have to cost money. It can be a very organic process in an organization, but it's the best time to do it, isn't it? And, and you know what? That is another, you know, um, antidote then to cortisol is because when we help others and others uh, see you helping others then that creates that sense of belonging which actually increases that hormone of serotonin you know and and it's funny you know sometimes people see things just it has to be done in one way and we've actually talked about um reverse mentoring um in previous calls that it's not just you know that downstream approach sometimes can be upstream where you have more junior people reverse mentoring as well isn't that right it is and actually yesterday and the day before i launched a reverse mentoring program for a client of mine um, in the media tech uh, industry and they've been toying with doing it for ages and now when covid happened they put they said right let's do it now so you've got you know junior level employees Go, reverse mentioning right up into the senior, senior, senior team. And they're going to be bringing up lots of different things, but how it's like for them a day in their life. It's cultural inclusivity. 
all those different things. And it's led by the CEO. So the CEO is all over this. And that's what's made this a really good success. And he was at the launch that I did yesterday. And I think reverse mentoring is going to come out a little bit more now because more junior employees will struggle with this work from home because they're trying to be shaped with the culture. And what a lot of other organizations are doing is they're uh, putting culture buddy systems in place, especially for new joins and new hires and um, graduates or more junior people that they've got them paired with somebody so they can learn the culture and the way of doing business in that organization. Because let's face it, William, that's something people are missing. If you're in a company 10 years and now you're working from home, it's not as big a deal because you know the culture. It's embedded in how you work. But newer people, they don't. And it's not fair to them. So we have to make sure we got a support system around those people that they know how the company operates, what's the best way to do things. And I think you're right. I think there's a big spotlight now on leadership. You know, and if you're not capitalizing on and going back to that that team of the great reset, there's huge opportunities here to really reinforce culture behaviors and values. And again, you know, we collaborate quite a bit and we're working on several projects now together where that organization design or organization behavior focus is really on to say, okay, how do we make sure we really keep the people that we need to keep? Because, you know, we don't want to lose people when times get good again, that we really need to to create that sense of belonging, create that sense of trust, you know, um, there. And I think that's that's what's really important uh, about leadership is you're not just leading now, you're trying to keep one eye in the future as well, you know, and it's... And it keeps going back to that balance, Fiona, doesn't it? Is you were talking about work-life balance and you were talking about balance of alignment and expectations and... Now we have this leadership focus of trying to balance yourself, you know, your team and your organization. You know, it's yeah. is that a whole Adair leadership model piece, isn't it? It is. And like, as I said, it's leading ourselves, leading our teams. But if we're not leading ourselves as leaders, how can mm-hmm. we lead the leader teams? The ripple effect yeah. is huge here. You mentioned trust and, you know, I'm a firm believer of the psychological contract that we have with our leaders yeah. and teams. And it's like that analogy, you know, trust is like a piece of paper. Once it's crumpled, it can never be straight again. And it's like getting a brown paper bag and crumpling it. It will never be straight. That's exactly what psychological trust is like and or psychological contract is like. And we have to be so mindful of that because the way we treat our people now will be forever etched in their minds. And when things do get better again, which they will, <laughs> of course, mm. the internal optimist here, um, we have to remember that, that the people don't forget things. We will remember how we've been treated. And it's really important that leaders are really leading with that authentic kind of leadership. And I'm seeing a lot of... I suppose, work around authentic leadership and empathetic leadership at the moment. Yes. And with authentic leadership, it's just bringing your true self to work with a professional lens. And But it's equally okay to show vulnerability as a leader. It's great when a leader comes on a call to their team and says, oh, um, I, I've had a really bad day yesterday. How are you getting on? It shows vulnerability. And what I'm encouraging a lot of teams to do and leaders to do is asking their team meetings, what was the best and worst part of everyone's week? Because what you'll hear is the best pieces and the worst pieces. And that's what we need to hear right now is the things that make people, I suppose, feel really strong and feel like they're winning their day. But also the worst comes out too. And also what I'm asking kind of teams to do is let everyone have a five minute rant. um, I know that could go a bit (laughs) bit hairy as well, William. But, you know, it's about saying, look, let's just have five minutes. How are you getting on? And it's like that question when you ask somebody, 
oh, tell me about yourself. You hear everything. And that's what the rant does as well, is everyone has a bit of a rant for a couple of minutes and it gets it off your chest and then you can kind of start your meeting. So I'm finding those are working well with teams. Yeah, and I'm noticing that myself, you know, um, with people is that the whole notion of vulnerability that you were talking about. And it's this whole notion of communication that has to be all happy clappy and all good, you know, and we're going to have um, in other episodes here, we'll be talking about trust and we'll be talking about psychological safety and we we'll be talking about difficult conversations. And I think because we're, we're, we're operating this virtual world, it's kind of like we have that social media hat on where everything has to be, you know, um, wonderful and bubblegum nice and all that type of stuff. Whereas we don't give enough time to actually be real, to be genuine with people to say, listen, I'm really struggling at the moment. So how do we create that sense of support if 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 we're not truly heard or truly understood? You know, and, and for me, um, along with, with coaching, I'm doing a lot of mediations at the moment. And as you know, my work as a mediator is, is really to help that communication process, okay? And what I'm finding is there's a lot of misunderstandings, a bit like what you were talking about, one person running from one call to the next, and people misinterpreting those uh, facial expressions as something else, you know, um, or misinterpreting a personality style. So I think, you know, once the dust has settled a little bit. I think people have to revisit those areas of how do we communicate? What are the personalities in the team? How do we operate here? What are our values? What are the behaviors? Not just from a team perspective, but I think from an organization's perspective, because the culture and the leadership of the organization has never been so much in the spotlight before as that it's really, really needed and have you have you many experiences now of companies where they're they're taking a real look at that organization lens can you give me some of the examples absolutely everything you said i 100 percent agree with you there's been an awful lot of work done on values at the moment i've been working with several companies over the last couple of weeks where the organization is resetting that dynamic as a whole team but it's like going back to base camp for everybody that's what it's mm-hmm. like is we have to go back and regroup here and, you know, fill up the oxygen tanks again, fill up the water. It's literally doing that with all the team going, what's what's going on here? What are we supposed to be doing here? Do we need to abandon some of the plans that we've set out last year or the previous year? Strategic plans are being completely revamped because what made sense 12 months ago obviously no longer makes sense now. So values are very important, as you well know, with you know being that authentic leader. It's about having values. And if our values are compromised, we're not going to work the way we should be working. So I'm seeing a lot of work around values, individual values, team values, organization values, and making sure that link is there between them all. But also resetting, as we said earlier, expectations and maybe relooking and going, what are the priorities for the rest of the year? And what are the realistic priorities for the rest of the year, both for you as an individual and us as an organization? So I think a whole reset needs to be done. And, you know, I always think October is the best month or November going into towards the end of the year for that. So we're setting ourselves up for success for next year. But it's about being honest and it's about allowing your employees the permission to put up their hands with no fear to say, I'm not OK, I don't agree with this, things like that. So it's all about giving them permission to do that. And if you have that trust culture with no fear, that can happen. But, you know, fear is, is often promotes more when we're at home because we are on our own. So it's a really a strong communication from that leadership team to give permission, I think, is what's needed. 
And I think that's the, the best thing is when we work together and I really, really enjoy working with you is because we're very much aligned on this and all the academic research has shown that the results a, a group that stays together is much much stronger the culture is much much stronger you know and this gets me to the the whole notion of you know yellowwood is, is encouraging people to take a different path through this podcast and how would people recognize if they're taking a wrong path so especially you know leadership examples you know have you heard examples where people have handled it wrong in terms of let's say communicating change or you know uh, that piece there because that's I think that's a big part of the challenges of remote isolation mm-hmm. and remote teams is we now have to process all these changes that are coming down the track um and, and for me, some things is, I mean, you talked about inclusivity and that really triggered um, a couple of recent conversations that I had with a number of clients. It wasn't just one client, was we were not, you know, consulted. There was no consensus in terms of, well, what were the challenges in terms of from stakeholders or as and we are stakeholders, whoever, whoever that the conversations were. What are your thoughts on that? Like I feel with leaders at the moment is you've two types, I think, right? And I know we're putting things in boxes, but this is from my opinion and only my personal opinion. You've the leader who's all over people, making sure they're okay, so much so that they're not looking after themselves. Then you've yeah. got the leader who says, ah, oh, everyone's grand. They, they tell me if there's something up and the blinkers are on that little bit. That's what I feel is happening at the moment out there. And that leader with the blinkers on is nearly afraid to lift up the lid because there's so much happening there. And their gut feeling, their gut is, is in bits at the moment because they know there's something wrong, but they're afraid to tackle it because they're just too busy. And that's what I'm hearing a lot of. I'm just too busy to tackle it. And these issues are mounting and mounting and mounting. And that's probably why William are so busy at mediation is because these issues are mounting and mounting. So I think that's a big problem at the moment is we're not lifting up that lid or indeed we're lifting up too much. And that's what I'm seeing. We need to find that balance. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, forgive me, because I forgot to tell the audience, you're also a qualified mediator, but we didn't mention that at the start of the podcast. So uh, thank you for being uh, patient with me on that one. And I think what you brought up there is the two types of leaders is that dichotomy. And it goes back to that um, MBTI personality type, isn't it? It's that thinking person that's very objective, can stand out, um, there and it's kind of like saying to people yeah you're grand you know very logical sure you know uh you know aren't you aren't you getting your wages or whatever you know and not realizing that there needs to be that sense of belonging maybe so it's it's maybe too objective you know too rational too logic and then you have that the feeling side which is a bit more the harmony that we don't do the difficult conversations and you know we do maybe too much um empathy that we're getting you know stepping inside people's shoes too much and that then affects our rational or logical thinking so it is is it it is about that flex isn't it and it goes back to personality type in terms of leadership everything goes back to personality type in, in my opinion that's the platform for everything i'm doing a lot of coaching with senior leaders at the moment who've said to me they have no empathy and you know yourself empathy can develop you know we've, we've three types yeah. of cognitive empathy emotional empathy and compassionate empathy Cognitive empathy is that intelligent empathy where you understand why someone's upset. Emotional empathy is the empathy where you're feeling it like it's happening to you. 
And compassion and empathy is a combination of those previous two. And that's the type of empathy I'm encouraging leaders to have at the moment is compassion and empathy. You understand, you feel it, but you do something about it. So it's that real action-focused empathy. And everyone can learn that. And, you know, as you know, William, this is emotional intelligence. So I, I think it's down to personality and emotional intelligence. And I think there's been a big surge in the emotional intelligence area as well at the moment because we're yeah. having to tap into that. Like one of the quadrants for people to know it with emotional intelligence is stress management. How flexible or rigid or how you cope with stress. Uh, hello, this is so stressful right now with the pandemic. <laughs> this is testing that to the, to the highest order. But then it's also how you look at yourself, how assertive you are, your relationships. So I think there's been, there needs to be more work in the emotional intelligence area for companies, I think, because that's what we're really, really tapping into at the moment. And if we are emotionally intelligent leaders, our people are really going to feel that. And our people yeah. are going to have that sense of belonging. Because remember, one more point, that remember the vehicle right now into the organization is the manager or leader. They are the road into that company at the moment. They are so important right now. Yeah, and, and I, I totally get what you're saying there about emotional intelligence. And for me, you know, I think what people need to understand is, is that if you're doing one-to-one work, I think the emotional intelligence tool or psychometric is really valuable because you get the 360 feedback as part of that. So you're getting feedback from other people and it it highlights maybe your blind spots that say, listen, you may not be uh, as as uh, empathetic as you think from the emotional perspective, you know. And then, you know, in terms of teams, I think that's where personalities, you know, uh, type instruments are really valuable there so i think sometimes when we're doing leadership development programs you know sometimes if you if you give people both tools it you know it maybe muddies the water a little bit and overwhelms people and it's really about choosing the right tool in the right context isn't it absolutely there's so many tools to choose from but i agree with you i think doing like something like a myers-briggs or disc personality and emotion intelligence is too much for one person to take in so yeah. it's fine if you're doing a long program like 12 18 month program you can top and tail it mm. but it's too much for people so you have to pick the right tool you you mentioned one-to-ones and i did want to kind of mention this in, on the podcast today is again going back to the thesis fundamental piece of work around one-to-ones so in my thesis i looked at 68 organizations working virtually and every single company said the importance of one-to-ones is so important and you know we've often seen one-to-ones being moved in calendars all the time or just putting them off because people are busy with client work that's really sending a message that they're not important and that one-to-one has never been more important and we have to carve out at least 15 minutes in that one-to-one to talk about the person not the work not the reports not the deadlines the person and that's what leaders have to do and we have to make time yeah important. And I think those check-ins are really important. It doesn't always have to be performance management yeah. conversations. It's just that check-in. It's that empathy piece, isn't it? And just checking in where they're where they're at. I, I think that's a, a really important point. And again, go, going on, you know, in terms of the podcast, we we talk on the podcast here about what is the the big difference that people could make to their personal life you know to the career to their teams to their organization is there any kind of final tips while we're finishing up now on the podcast for you that you would be that made a real difference to you especially over the last six months it's going back to what we said it's setting expectations so in our heads we can be too 
ambitious with ourselves at the moment. Remember good old Maslow, that triangle. I have to have to bring him in. He comes into everything, right? But that yeah. triangle, we were probably all self-actualizing before COVID hit. We're after sliding down that scale now. And it's all about trying to belong and trying to survive at the moment to make sure our families are well, you know, our parents are okay. It's all those things that become much more important now. So I would say the thing that I've really focused on is really realigning and resetting my expectations for the next six months. The things that I had set out this year were going to be magnificent. I had a fantastic plan this year. Let's just say none of them have been achieved because we've had to look at an alternative plan. So it's not to beat yourself up about that, but it's to go to plan B or plan C and be okay with that and lower your expectations about what you're trying to achieve this year and be kind to yourself in terms of that. But self-care, self-care without a shadow of doubt is the most important thing right now. And without boundaries, you can't do that. But that's the thing I'm really passionate about at the moment is making sure you're looking after yourself because if you're not, nobody else will. We go, we go to, we wake up every morning in our head. We go to bed every morning in our head. Nobody else is in that. So it's about really, really focusing on yourself and putting up that hand and asking for help wherever you need it. It's so important right now. Yeah. And that self-care is really important, I think. And that's the, the thing I, I suppose you asked me, how did I say no? Is actually how I said no was actually practicing more self-care. You know, and by saying no to certain types of business or certain people that I felt were kind of taking advantage a little for me, that kind of really, you know, created that internal conflict. And I was beating myself up over that. Whereas once I was able to say no, then, you know, it's very clear on that. And I think it's everybody practices self-care in a different way, don't they? Some people it's just a cup of tea at a certain time of a day some people it's yoga some people it's a good chat like we do yeah. you know you know there's different ways to practice self-care so and um, thank you for for sharing that and uh if people were to get in contact with you afterwards what's your website or your social media channels yeah so as you well know uh, uh, i'm very very uh, active on linkedin usually every day so linkedin just fiona buckley on linkedin is the best way to contact me um also my website is fionabuckley.com and i'm also on twitter uh, at feebuck f-i-b-u-c-k and also on instagram fionabuckley underscore own your own success so that's my cheesy tagline um, so yes, I, I, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And one, one parting comment I'd like to make is that every time you say no to somebody, you're saying yes to yourself. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast here today. And uh, thank you for listening, everybody. That's it for this episode of the Workplace Podcast. My special thanks to this week's guest for a wonderful discussion. If you want to get in contact with a podcast about a workplace topic or a particular challenge that you're facing, contact me via Twitter at Different Paths. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, William Corless, C-O-R-L-E-S-S, or go to my website, www.yellowwood.ie. Yellowwood, your external learning and development partner, provider executive coaching, facilitation and training. Take a different path to success with your career, leadership, team and organization.